right, all right, here we go. Good morning, everybody. Uh, let's try it again. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Callwood Church. Welcome to, of course, everybody who is here with us in the room today and to those who are online with us, part of our church community extended. It's good that you are here today, so welcome. And especially if you are brand new today for the very first time, welcome to Call with Church. We hope that you're enjoying this uh, morning. Now, I have a question for you. Has anybody noticed that most things COVID are negative in their conversation? Has anybody noticed this before? Not one person, eh? Every, it's all good. Okay. I, we, we've noticed that a lot of things to be said about COVID have been negative, have been bad, period. But it, it had me thinking this week, there, there's got to be a different narrative when it comes to it. So I went to my social media and Instagram and Facebook and pieces like these, and I asked the question, like if COVID was so bad, I mean, somebody tell me the good things that perhaps happened through COVID as well. You should have seen, actually, some of the answers that people were giving that even though COVID struck, even though as bad as we've made it sound, there were some real positive things that happened to their Did anybody here experience anything positive in COVID at all as well? I mean, it's interesting. So, for instance, I'd like to share a couple of those things for my life that I thought was, was just fantastic. Number one thing that I thought was great in COVID, I, I really enjoyed driving in Victoria again. Have you noticed this? I mean, through COVID, you could go anywhere you wanted and you could get there in like 10 minutes flat. Like it was the best thing ever. I really liked going back to the downtown core of Victoria too because there wasn't thousands of people running around me and touching my shoulders all the time. I enjoyed that as well. One of the things that I enjoyed from a staff uh, level is we played a lot of ping pong through COVID because we kind of went through the same deal. So we're ping pong experts. Challenge any of these guys and if you beat them, they take you for lunch. I mean, it's fantastic deal for you. Like, but so many different things. But, but this was the one that really has stood out to me in COVID. This is probably the one thing that I'm thankful for for COVID. And, and to start this series, I, I said this, is that I, like, I have a love-hate relationship with COVID, but this is the one thing that I love. And the one thing that I've loved the most about COVID is that my crazy schedule was adjusted. I suddenly was put, placed into this spot of forced rest, like I couldn't go do anything, which meant I could be home every single night, which is so obscure for a pastor to even say something like that. I was home every night with my family, which I completely appreciated and loved. My family time then increased, and I was given time that I don't know if I could have had if COVID hadn't come. In fact, this year, our, our oldest son, Jaken, he's in grade 12, and he graduates. I don't know where Jaken will be one year from today, whether he's at home or not. And I got to tell you, like, the thing that I have deeply valued, like, as we have younger kids, you can't wait for those kids to grow up and get gone, right? But then all of a sudden, through this, someone clap for that. Wow, this is good. But then all of a sudden, when I realize he's gone and I don't know when, what's going to happen, COVID gave me time that I could not get back anywhere else. And I loved it. Another neat thing about COVID for me is for the first time in over 20 years of ministry, I actually spent Christmas Eve with my family. Like, there were some good things that happened in COVID. It's not all bad. I mean, there were some things, and I want us to consider today because I think we were all forced into these different rhythms 
that we weren't used to. In fact, like one of the most amazing rhythms for our church life, and everybody online is going to appreciate it, although we couldn't meet here on Sundays together, we met online, and we were able to provide something, and if COVID doesn't happen, we don't have online church, and for everybody who is listening online with me, you probably should say amen right now, right? Like that's, that's where we're at. We were pushed into these different rhythms, and I got to tell you, my inner introvert really liked it. Any introverts in the place? What do you say? Amen to that, right? Like, we understand what has happened around us. My COVID teacher is the series that we are in, and I made a statement in the very first um, segment of this series. And I said, COVID has taught us certain new habits. And I asked all of us in this place to break the habits that has been taught. We talked about people in that we've lived in an, in a in a moment of isolation, break the isolation, get back to people. Even introverts know what that means. You are not meant to even do this alone. Maybe you like it a little bit quieter than us extroverts, but that's you need people. We talked about the noise that is all around us, the negativity, the constant fear and anxiety that the noise around us brings. And we said we need to block the noise. We need to get back to what does Jesus actually have to say about this in your life? Pastor Tyson gave a great message a couple weeks ago on the polarization that we have placed upon people because they don't see eye to eye with you. And we have to get back to this idea that Jesus didn't come to this earth to bring or to build up more walls. He came to break them down. And we can't live in that polarization as well. And last week, we talked about fear and anxiety. If you haven't listened to it, you can go back and check it out. But we listened to these voices all around us. I have told you in this series so far, all of these new habits that you have developed, go break them. But today, I'm not doing that. In fact, today's topic, I'm asking you not to run away from it. I'm asking you not to break it. I'm asking you to run towards it and to see what Jesus would have to say about your life. And the topic that we're going to look at today is this new forced rhythm of rest that was placed into our laps because of COVID. A couple weeks ago, um, we hosted here at the church the Global Leadership Summit, the GLS. And in the GLS, there was one presenter. His name was Albert Tate. Albert Tate gave this one-liner that I'm going to use in a moment. It's going to supplement the message that was already prepared for today. But this one statement has really been bugging me. It has me thinking in a different lens and in a different angle. And so that one-liner that Albert Tate gave was um, well worth the price of admission to the GLS that we did. In fact, next year we'll host the GLS again Shameless plug, you need to be at the GLS next year. There are things that you could learn that help your growth trajectory. The illustration, before I give you the liner that he gave, the illustration I'd like to share with us is the, is the illustration of education. We understand education to be a, um, it happens in semesters. So a student will go and will have a semester of teaching done by this teacher. Some of us in those classes or in those set situations we understand that this teacher is teaching us specific lessons, right? And it could be a lesson this week, another lesson next week, but we are giving a series of lessons. And at the conclusion of all of those lessons, you now have to write this thing called a test. So if you don't pay attention to the lessons that are presented, how can you go and write the test well? You won't. And so in that illustration... Of education, lessons 
and the test. And now the subject of rest. This is what Albert Tate said, and it's bugging me. But he said, what if the COVID pandemic was the lesson? And this is now the test. Think about that. What if? And I'm only talking the topic of rest because we all know that COVID has been testing in a lot of ways, but in the topic of rest. What if that was the lesson? And what if now the test is in front of you and I? Like, what if God was taking that time through COVID to teach us this lesson, to see what we will now do today with it? We use the, the, the comment of disorientation leads to a reorientation. We were disoriented when we were thrown into forced rest, but will it actually reorient some of us in this space today to pay attention to what God is doing? Like, what if God... What if God was actually identifying our ridiculous pace and he takes us into COVID with forced rest, which is a lesson to many of us, but to only see if we will now, present day, the test when some of all of our routines are starting to come back into play. What if the COVID pandemic has been the lesson and now the test is in front of us? What will we do with this thing called rest. My COVID teacher has been teaching us that we were crazy busy, hey? Our pace was ridiculously nuts and then forced rest. So we're gonna look at a text today, Exodus chapter 16, one to 36. It's a long text. I'm not gonna read it all right now. What we're going to do is I'm going to kind of exegete this chapter a little bit. What does that mean? I'm actually just going to take it a little verse by verse. I'm going to walk us through this to build a picture around this topic of rest for us today. So I'm going to actually speak the verse as I jump towards it in its, uh, in its selling point. So we're going to pray. So will you join me in prayer? Father, I pray today that with the subject of rest, you will help us to consider what if the lesson, and what if this is now the test? I pray that we would be able to stand in front of the mirror today when it comes to this topic of rest and ask ourselves, are we obeying what Jesus needs of us when it comes to rest? So help us today to be able to do just that, point our attention to you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. come on, everybody said, so the subject I'd like to speak to us today is, is this. Are you ready for the test? <laughs> Are you ready for the test? So the text that we're using is Exodus chapter 16. And it's interesting because the example that we see out of Exodus 16 is about Israel. Israel is known as the people of God. And the people of God have just been delivered from a place. And we actually pick up the context of the story now. And it says this in verse 1, it says, Then the whole community of Israel set out from Elam and journeyed to the wilderness of Sin, cool name, between Elam and Mount Sinai. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month. Somebody say one month. One month after leaving the land of Egypt. This is interesting because what, what we are seeing right here is Egypt has just been delivered from, from Egypt. 
Perhaps you have heard the old story of Moses and Pharaoh and him going and standing in front of this Pharaoh, let my people go, and Pharaoh doesn't do it. And so God sends these 10 plagues onto the land of Egypt. And it is here at the conclusion of those 10 plagues where they are finally released to go into the wilderness. As they go into the wilderness, what we see is that there is a Red Sea that is placed in front of them. And at the, as they're staring at the Red Sea and looking what is about to take place, they look behind them and they see these Egyptian oppressors now coming back after them. They had just released them, but now they're going to take them back and they don't know what to do. But then God shows up again, not just the 10 plagues, something happens to the water and it just begins to split. I mean, as they split, Moses and his posse begin to walk through the sea, and they're, they're going to their freedom. On one side, they see free Willie. On the other side, it's Jonah's whale. I mean, he, you know what's happening here, but they walk through. They get into the wilderness, and this is where our story kind of picks up one month later, and they're thirsty because deserts do that to you if you don't have water. They find a body of water that they want to drink from, but they realize that the water is bitter and they can't do it. Again, another miracle. They touch the water and it becomes drinkable. I mean, God is delivering right, left, center, all of these fantastic miracles. And as if the people don't realize that God has truly delivered them from the things that have been happening. And then we see in verse 2 that the whole community of Israel complains to Moses and Aaron. Do you know somebody who knows how to complain? Point to them right now. No, don't do that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's like, woohoo, you know. But the whole community complains. It says, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. Can you believe the audacity of these people? Just kill us. Take us out. We're thirsty. We're hungry. But God, just take us back to Egypt or kill us. Because back in Egypt, they, they, were, they sat around pots filled with meat, and they ate all the bread they wanted. But now you have brought us to this wilderness to make us starve to death. They were hungry, and so they cry out, take me back to Egypt. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Take us back, God, to pre-COVID when life was good. I think you and I are a lot like these Israelites. I mean, maybe the food thing is not your story today, but take us back pre-COVID. Take us back to when the going was, was good. I want us to see with the Israelites is that they were experiencing freedom, but it looked like bondage. Think about that. Freedom Verse bondage. They didn't know what was right in front of them. So God decides to say this in verse 4. He's like, I'm going to rain down, actually, um, I'm, I'm going to rain down some, fruit, some food on you. And it's interesting with that freedom bondage context is because do you think that maybe when it comes to this topic of rest that we're talking about today, that maybe God in COVID was giving us some freedom yet we wind about the bondage of being isolated. Could there be a lesson there that God was saying, this is going to be good for your souls? So they obviously um, complain. God says that he's going to rain down food. And so he gives them these two pieces of, of food. He gives them what is known as manna. And we're going to equate manna because it's a strange term. It's a Bible term to bread. Everybody got a piece of bread in your mind? What is your favorite type of bread? 
I mean, go ahead, say it to somebody, type it in the chat room. Favorite type of bread, and if you don't answer sourdough, you're wrong, okay? So, like, that's the favorite type of bread. So, you know, we do that, Pastor James, you and I, it's our favorite, right? Sourdough, right? So, so you got sourdough, so they have this thing called manna in the morning every single day. And then at night, it says that they're given a piece of meat. So it's quail to them. What's your favorite type of meat? I mean, this is what you're going to go with. This is what, you know, is happening in your life. We hear the steak. But this is what God communicates in this verse, that I'm going to deliver to you in your complaining. I'm going to actually rain down some food on you. And literally, this is what happens. He drops it from heaven, and they eat every single day. This is what God says. In order for you to eat this stuff that I'm about to put in front of you, you're going to go work the ground for six days of the week. In fact, every single day, I'm going to rain down this manna and this quail, and this is your only objective. You have to take only that which you need for yourself or your family. Don't take any more. Don't take any less. And then on that sixth day, what I'm going to get you to do is you're going to work twice as much. And because tomorrow, the seventh day, I'm not going to send you anything. So on this sixth day, I need you to go and prepare it, get yourself ready for what is about to take place. God was, was already um, taking them through all of the lessons of Egypt, of the Red Sea, and now this was the test that was put in front of them. And the test was this, will you listen to what I'm about to tell you to do? So for six days, you're going to work this thing, double time on that sixth day, but the seventh day, you are going to stop. In verse 35 of this chapter, we are given another real piece of interesting insight in that it says this, is that so for the next 40 years, the diet of the Israelites was manna every morning and quail every night. It's like eating sourdough for the, every single morning for the next 40 years and perhaps a piece of steak at night. How many of you would get sick and tired of what has just been put in front of you, Right? And, you know, I look at this text and I'm looking at what is happening here and it all came from a place of whining and complaining and God still delivers it to only say this thing, be really careful what you pray for, people. He delivered exactly what they asked, but it sure wasn't what they actually wanted. And we have to be careful with these. So in verse 15, it shows us that the Israelites were puzzled when they saw this manna and this quail. And they asked these questions like, what is it? They asked each other because they had no idea. They had no idea because they had not seen something like this before. But it shows me one thing, is that God is able to deliver when he says he's going to deliver. And he delivered daily to these individuals. And I think that especially when it comes to this COVID thing too that we've had to walk through, that was the first time we were going through that together as well. We didn't know what was going on. We're asking ourselves, what is it? But listen, I have to tell you that God did not peace out. He did not exit on us. God has always been here through COVID, and he is still going to deliver his word to come to its completion in your life today. This is what we see in who he is. In verse 17 and 18, it says, so the people of Israel did as they were told this time. Some gathered a lot, some only a little. But when they measured it out, everyone just had enough. And those who gathered a lot had nothing left over and those who gathered only a little had enough, and each family had just exactly what it needed. What I see here in this text is that God's provision is perfect for you. He's not going to miss on the things that you need. To the precision, every single day, God says, I'm going to show up and I'm going to deliver to you. 
It's why Jesus tells us in the New Testament, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow is going to take care of itself. You see, God is going to come today and he's going to give you the provision that you need just like he did to the Israelites who are around him. Because what was happening in front of Israel was a season of abundance. They had not seen anything like this before in their lives. But God said, one day at a time, not tomorrow, not next week, one day at a time. And then we see in verses 19 and 20 and 27 and 28, it reads that, but some of them didn't listen, and they kept some of it until morning. But by then it was full of maggots and had a terrible smell, and Moses was very angry with them. Some of the people went out anyway on the seventh day, but they found no food. The Lord asked Moses, how long will these people refuse to obey my commands and my instructions? If I could paraphrase that, God is saying, what are you doing? Right? Like, this is what he's... And so we see right here is that people don't listen. There's greediness all around. I got to take care of myself. In fact, like it's here where we begin to say, and we begin to see what they're doing. is like, they, take me back to what was normal, God. Take me back to Egypt. Take me to back to what was familiar to my life. But God is saying, listen, this is not what I have for you, Israel. And how true is this today when it comes to the rest that God is desiring for both you and I? Because it's here where if you try to bring the old approach, you will show up in a season of abundance, but you will experience scarcity because you are walking in disobedience. God placed in front of them an abundance. I'm going to take care of you. And what did those people on the seventh day go do? They went looking anyway because of a scarcity mindset, and it was driven around this idea of disobedience. See, God had something intentional for these people. They chose not to want to listen to it. Then in verse 22, we are showed that these leaders approach Moses, and they're asking this one question, what in the world is going on? Please explain to me why there's these little flakes of manna, why these quail are around. Somebody explain, and it is here. This is where I want to land this conversation today. But it is here where God decides to download to his people, you and I, for the rest of time, what his purpose and his intention will be for you and I. And he says this in verses 23 to 26. Tomorrow will be a day of complete rest, a holy Sabbath set apart for the Lord. So bake or boil as much as you want today and set aside what is left for tomorrow. So they put some aside until morning, just as Moses had commanded. And in the morning, the leftover food was wholesome and good, without maggots or order. Moses said, eat this food today, for today is Sabbath day, dedicated to the Lord. There will be no food on the ground today, but you may gather the food for six days. But the seventh day is the Sabbath, and there will be no food on the ground that day. For the very first time in history, humanity is introduced to this idea of Sabbath, where God says this is going to be a holy day for the first time ever. Imagine that. I, I, I really wasn't that good in mathematics in school, believe this or not. 
But I know this, 16 comes before 20, right? Yeah. See, in Exodus chapter 20, Moses walks up to this mountain, and he is downloaded from God these things called the Ten Commandments. Have you heard of these things before? That's in chapter 20. But in chapter 16, God decides to introduce this concept and idea of Sabbath even before the Ten Commandments are downloaded. In fact, in those Ten Commandments, the fourth one is to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. But here in, in, in chapter 16 of Exodus, we are introduced to this thing called Sabbath. And some people may want to push back at me right now and be like, well, hey, have you read the Genesis account, Sean? And I have, believe this or not. And, uh, and uh, what we see there is that God worked for six days and that it says that he what? He rests on the, on the seventh day. But the word rest and the word Sabbath that we see in our text today are two different things. Let me show you. The word rest out of Genesis chapter 2 is the word Shabbat. And you could probably see right away the root of the word Sabbath here, right? But we see that this Shabbat is to cease. You are to desist. You are to rest. And you are to remove things from your life. That's what that rest is all about. And then we get the word Sabbath, the Shabbaton, which is the weekly Sabbath. This is the first time in the Bible where we see the Shabbat and the Sabbath are conjoined. It's a concept of a day of rest for a man, for a woman, but a day of rest. God is literally saying that, hey, for six days you are going to function in this world. And that's going to be the lesson. Will you do what you're supposed to do and to do it well in those six days? Because the seventh day is the test. Will you obey? Will you take a step back and enter into the rest or the sabbaton that he desires for you and I? These people were absolutely confused. They were bewildered because they had never seen this concept before. They just did their thing. They went on their merry way. They were not used to it. You know what I actually believe is that this is what I think is true in our culture today as well. I don't know if we know how to rest. I don't know if we know how to Sabbath well. Like this is a foreign concept to us. Why would I do that? I got some money to make. You hear me? Like we see all of these things happening around us, but why don't we model this practice and this command of rest? We were weaned off the busyness in COVID. In fact, COVID made us halt. And the bizarre part is that this bothered many of us in this room and online, that I had to stop. But what if, what if the lesson of COVID has been forced rest? And now the test is, is will you model rest? Oh, busy little one. Verse 29, we are shown something brilliant, and it says this is that the Sabbath, this day that God had instituted for Israel and for us today, this Sabbath day was God's gift to you. How beautiful is that? Anybody like getting gifts? Okay, so if no one put up their hand, don't buy them Christmas gifts this year. Let's see how that works out for you. We're going to have like counseling 101 starting January for everybody, but... Uh, we like gifts, and God says, listen, I got a gift for you, and it's this thing called Sabbath. 
In fact, Jesus double downs on this idea in Mark chapter 2, and where he says, listen, folks, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. See, God is not looking for you to do this thing 24-7. He is not asking you to work. He's asking you for a day of rest. And you know what happens oftentimes when we don't pay attention to that wisdom and that idea in our life, the maggots come. And they begin to rip apart that which God has no intention for in your life. You've noticed this, that when you're so busy, you become taken down. You begin to deteriorate in yourself because God knows that there's this thing called rest and it is good for you. That's why he gives you this gift. In fact, I mean, God places in front of our paths every single week, one day out of seven for you to just rest. Did you know that God even institutes this rest into your daily system as well? Because every single day starts at 12 a.m. midnight, right? Fair enough. And most of us sane people, what are we doing at midnight? We're sleeping because God understands that your rest to start the rest of that day matters to him. And so he tells us that this idea of Sabbath is a gift to you. Can I encourage us today? Don't be in a hurry to go back to Egypt. Don't don't be in a hurry to get back to the schedules that are beginning to get ramped up again as our permissions are giving to us. Eugene Peterson says this about this idea of rest. He says, don't take shortcuts. Submit yourself to the boredom, the refining fire of non-performance, not to be in a hurry. Juliet Funt, who is an author and a communicator, says this about the chaos of our schedules and what it's doing to our bodies. And she says, you need to reboot our exhausted brains and bodies because we're so busy and it deteriorates us as as human beings together. She uses a language of it's time for us to learn how to put this wedge into our schedules. The wedge is a space between two different activities. So for the sake of the Sabbath, there's a wedge that happens between day six and then again day one, and it's called day seven. How do you place the wedge of Sabbath into your life? But what about daily? What are the rhythms of your every single day that you could place wedges in before this meeting concludes and this meeting begins? How could you wedge a time in there to rest and to replenish, to play ping pong, to do something that will help your journey together? And one of the things that I love what Juliet said to us is that you have to give yourself permission to do this. Because some of us feel so stinking guilty. I can't do this. I have to work this thing. I got to do this through. No, you don't. We have to be able to place these wedges in. Alexander White says this, relieve yourself as often as possible and take a long vacation. Somebody say amen to that one. That's a good one. But this idea of Sabbath, Shabbaton, I'm going to go back to Eugene Peterson to say this. I'm about to say something that's going to arrest some of your ears, but I'm quoting somebody because I think, it's, I think it's important. Eugene Peterson talks about this day off, which we have often looked at as a Sabbath day. But he goes, when you just consider it a day off, it's considered a bastard Sabbath. He says, it's a day of not doing, of not working, which is a half start. It means that you're halfway there. So he encourages us to then go all the way because what the Sabbath was meant for was for you and I to focus on God. 
It means that we institute into those wedge spaces again, prayer, silence, to hallow the name that is above every name. And I got to tell you, when I read this quote and I started processing it, it startled me because it caught my attention. Do I just look for my day off where I could just Netflix again? Or do I take some of my time and do I begin to feed it back into what God wants in and through me? How about you when it comes to your Sabbath today? Some of us are thinking in this room or online, I can't do this. I can't, I can't stop. I can't rest. And I want to confront that lie for a second because that is a moment of scarcity when God is placing the abundance of everything for you. And the difference is your obedience. You see, God knows that you need rest. It's how he created you. The creator knows exactly what you need. But how funny is it that we think we know what we need more than what the creator has made us to be? See, today, some of us need to remove the scarcity mindset. And in this season of abundance, God is saying, I'll take care of you, but you've got to rest. You've got to replenish your physical body. You've got to replenish your spiritual body. This is that important. Folks, you can't afford not to walk in this rest. In fact, I really believe that when I see this text, what God is communicating to Israel and to us today is that when you rest, you will find your freedom in your life. It is that important. There are two lessons that I see in this text today. The first one is this, that God will provide. Some of us think that he won't. But the question is, is who are you trusting your own workmanship in your own bank account, or are you going to trust him? And I'm here to declare over you today that God will provide for you. And the second thing that you have to do is you have to give yourself permission to rest because this is where Jesus Christ will set you free in your life, and he will do amazing things through you. God has given to you and I this gift. It is for your well-being, and it is a statement of trust on our parts together that when we step to Sabbath and rest, God's abundance will be present, and he'll be there for you, yeah? So what if? What if the COVID pandemic was the lesson for rest? And what if this is now the test? What will you do to honor God in rest, and in Sabbath. And may you today respond in obedience to what he has for you. Will you stand with me? I'd love to pray over you today. Jesus, I know that our society is getting amped up to get back to normal, which is good. There's nothing wrong with that. I think the theology of your word shows me that I can go nuts for six days. Go hard, hard in the paint. <laughs> but that seventh day, that day of rest, that Sabbath, is critical for me. And what Israel chose not to do was to listen, some of them. May we be a people who listen, who will obey this idea, this lifestyle of rest, and Sabbath. 
So Holy Spirit, take us on a journey, challenge us. This is not to beat us up, it's not to kick us down. In fact, I see the opposite in this message. It's a message of hope that when I give myself to rest, God's abundance will be found. And I pray that you would silence an enemy in the scarcity mindset and you'll let your voice supersede everything that goes around us. And I pray this for all of our friends. In Jesus' name, and with all eyes closed, perhaps you're here today or online, and you've never even made this decision to have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe for the first time, or, or maybe you have had a relationship, but you've wandered. I'm here to tell you today that Jesus loves you. He's got a plan for you. He sent his son to die for you. Jesus died, but he rose again to give us life. And part of that life is to know this rest and this wholeness that he wants for you. And whether you're in this room today or you're online, you could text the word at the end of our gathering. Text the word LIFE to 250-478-7113. And one of our pastors would love to start this journey with you, show you what it's all about, because he is for you. And if you are curious about having a conversation around this topic today, I encourage you to join us on Wednesday night at Continue the Conversation where we can talk about rest a little bit more and that you'll do that. What if, what if the pandemic was the lesson and now is the test? Will you walk into this week and build these wedges of rest into your life? Because I believe that if you do this, you watch what God does in your life as you honor him. Once again, welcome to Call Church, everyone. If you're brand new, I'm encouraging you to go to our welcome center in the back corner to see Pastor Tyson. Take that moment. I saw that there are now paper print Christmas catalogs on the back table, so grab one on your way out or go online to get it. You can see it just the same. But church, we love you. Have a fantastic week. Let's walk in the abundance of God. Amen. Have a good week, everyone.